Welcome to ADHD Brains Radio, where we curate the best content on the web by ADHD people for ADHD people. Brought to you by Think Think Media. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of ADHD Brains Radio. This is your host, Jeremy Fink. In our first episode of ADHD Brains Radio, we got to hear about what is ADHD. In the second episode, we got to hear a little bit about what ADHD can be like for a real person. And we got to hear a little bit about where we can find some great ADHD communities. Now, here in episode three, I'm going to interrupt that pattern here to talk about interrupting. Pun intended. It is amazing how this one topic encapsulates so much of the fundamentals of ADHD. Whether you're ADHD yourself or you're the loved one of someone who's ADHD, you've had the experience of the ADHD person speaking at socially inappropriate times or simply interrupting the person who's speaking and oftentimes going on a tangent that seems unrelated to the conversation going on. So why does this happen? Why does it seem like we just can't stop ourselves from interrupting? Now, I don't know if there's any scientific research on this particular issue for ADHD, which I I'm kind of surprised I wasn't able to find anything, to be honest, because this is such a common experience. You'd think there'd be some kind of studies on this. If you find any, please shoot me a note. I'd I'd love to see the research and outcomes, what they've found. But from an experiential standpoint, I mean, there can be so many different causes. It may be that we have a working memory issue happening. Now, what I mean when I say working memory issue, it can be so many different things. In this particular scenario, I mean, something has happened that caused us to recall a specific memory. Now, working memory dysfunction in ADHD can mean many things. In this instance, I mean an access issue. So we don't necessarily have control over when we recall certain memories, they'll just pop up on their own sometimes, or we'll want to recall a memory, but that function for memory recall just stops working for no particular reason, and we can't really initiate it to get it turned back on. It's just going to work when it works. We don't really have a functional control. And this is just a built-in feature of an ADHD brain we lack control over that mechanism much of the time. Now, sometimes we can control it, but we don't have control over when it stops working. And other times we can't control over when memories just appear. And there are memories that are so powerful and important or something we've been trying to remember for such a long time. And it finally kicks in and we can recall that, that we have to blurt it out and capture it because when we needed it last time, we couldn't get that memory. So now that it's here, we have to externalize it. So we have it and like, ah, oh, I've got it. I finally have it. And, and so we, while that may not be an appropriate time, it's something that is important enough to us that we need to capture it because 
we don't always have control over that ability. Anyway, so that can be one reason why we interrupt. There's some sort of working memory dysfunction and we had something happen where we just needed to get that out to capture a memory that we needed to get out. And so we're really not trying to be annoying or disrespectful, just we have different abilities and we have to use them when we can. Now, not all ADHD people have this type of working memory challenge that I described. It is a very common feature of ADHD, but it is not necessarily universal. So what is a more universal experience? Cognitive hyperactivity. Now, every ADHD person I've spoken with, ADHD coach, therapist that works with ADHD people, we all have a universal experience that every ADHD person we've ever interacted with experiences this cognitive hyperactivity. Now, cognitive hyperactivity is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. You have this massive bombardment of thoughts. They can be a million different thoughts from a million different categories just happening all at once and dumping in it, dumping in this big and so it shuts everything else off and you can't pay attention. Um, it could come by way of um, sometimes uh, daydreaming. We have it coincide somehow with cognitive hyperactivity where we just have this expansive mass of creative ideas happening on like 10 different tracks at the same time about loosely related topics and somehow we're able to weave this thread and it just is a totally fascinating thing and it is it's so loud and huge and powerful that it completely consumes our attention so anything happening outside of our body in our external environment is completely drowned out by this massive bombardment of thoughts in whichever way it shows up and there's just any number of varieties of ways that can happen from an internal experience and it doesn't necessarily only happen with thoughts this can happen with emotions too where what i just described that you know having so many different thoughts you can have this bombardment of emotions that's just massive and there are a whole bunch of different emotions that you can't pick apart and they just happen all at once so this can be completely consuming so when you see someone start zoning out that's an adhd person and you're talking to them this is likely what's happening they're having some type of cognitive bombardment or emotional bombardment in such a way that nothing else outside is getting through and sometimes we can still hear and be aware of the conversation but this massive bombardment of thoughts there's so much happening so fast in the moment that it takes you to take a breath at a comma in a sentence that you're saying we can have an experience of like a like 10 conversations all going through this massive thread where the first thought we have is related to something you just said and then 10 steps down the line or 50 steps down the line, we're in a totally different space now because we've had this massive internal conversation with ourselves that was really interesting and fascinating. And then we had this really like enlightening, brilliant idea that, whoa. And all of a sudden we just have to blurt it out because it's 
very much related to what you just said, but you missed this big old thread we just wove together. And that breath that you took felt to us like you paused for a couple of minutes because we had so much happen in that, you know, partial second that we don't realize that you weren't finishing a thought uh, because we are so far down the line now. So to us, it doesn't feel like we're interrupting. We There was a natural pause in the conversation. We had some thoughts and now we're just participating. But to you, you were interrupted. You weren't even finished saying a sentence. We just jumped right in. And then we went on this long diatribe of, you know, something that was very interesting, but that was so disrespectful and rude and I'm offended now. And, but to the ADHD person, that's not their experience. We, we were really just get massively out of sync and have a very, very different perception of what just happened. So we understand these can be very frustrating experiences uh, when you're having a conversation with someone who is ADHD. So we just please ask your patients kindness and understanding that we really do care a lot. And we, the reason we're interrupting so many times is because we care so much about what's happening in the conversation. We are highly interested, highly engaged, sometimes overly engaged. And that intensity can be overwhelming for the other person in the conversation. So for my fellow ADHD people out there, Try to be patient with the other person because they don't understand. They have no experience. They don't know what it's like going through what you're going through. So we have to do a part where we have to be aware that their experience of these conversations is vastly different from our own. So we have to be a little accommodating. And same goes for the non-ADHD person. Realize you are having an entirely different experience of this conversation than that ADHD person. Try and be patient. Realize that they're interrupting. I guarantee you because they're highly interested in the conversation. They're highly invested. They care a lot about what you're talking about. They want to hear what you have to say. Believe me, we do. We struggle with managing those thoughts and controlling our verbal processing after the fact. So something that's helpful is try and build in ways of re-interrupting the ADHD person. Most of the time, we're really not going to mind. Sometimes we will if it's a working memory thing that we're trying to work through because there's something important we need to remember. And interrupting can completely throw that off track and we can lose the thread. So there's these different experiences we have. So how do we navigate this? How do we figure out a better way so that we're not creating these very frustrating experiences with each other? Now, before I get into some communication strategies, I'm going to back up a minute and talk about what is the fundamental underlying neuropsychological cause for all these things that lead to us interrupting for a variety of reasons in social conversation. Why can't we just stop it and behave like a normal person in conversation? Because people want to know. 
Now, I'm not going to get into the weeds of executive function theory, but Dr. Russell Barkley, the guy who developed the main theory we recognize for ADHD executive function, makes a point that the fundamental underlying root of all executive dysfunction is our lack of ability to regulate inhibition or filtering. So if you can just imagine using the kitchen sink and you know you turn the handle or lift the handle to make the water flow and then you put it back down to turn the water off. Now imagine that you had absolutely no control to do that. You just had the spout and you didn't really have a way to turn that water on or off. It was just either on or off when it was on or off. And alternatively, the drain stopper, you don't have one of those, but it just kind of magically appears and disappears at well. So sometimes the water turns on and it doesn't turn back off. And then all of a sudden the drain stopper goes in and there's no way to remove it. It's just like this permanent fixture all of a sudden in the sink and the sink starts overflowing into the kitchen and it's flooding everywhere. And you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to stop this? So you have to find some way to stop that water from flowing and it just keeps flowing harder and faster. There's more and more. And what do you do? Like there's no, there's no function to, to do that. And then all of a sudden it just stops but the drain stopper doesn't open, so you still have to deal with all the flooding. You know, and so you can imagine all the different variety of things can happen. That's that's kind of like what it's like for an ADHD person with these this cognitive hyperactivity or emotional hyperactivity where you have these bombardment of thoughts and or emotions happening all at once. And it's kind of a similar deal with our working memory. Sometimes it's there and working, other times it's not. We don't really get to choose when we have the control to use it. Now, if you're familiar with executive function theory, you know this is just one aspect of executive functions. It's this way for each one of the executive functions for an ADHD person. Now, some of us might have certain executive functions that work all the time and others that we don't really have control over when they're working and when they're not. And for some of us, we don't have control over any of them. They just work or they don't. And it's just a built-in feature of how our brain functions. It, and it develops that way. So some people can gain better control with, of this over time with the right training and practice. But for some people, they can't. It's simply not an ability they can develop. Anyway, I hope that gives you a little bit of a picture to some of the developmental differences of an ADHD brain and how that shows up for people in real life. Using the example of an everyday conversation and why we interrupt. Now, I just covered two of the reasons. There's way more than that, but they all fundamentally will get back to some type of executive dysfunction, usually rooted in that inability to regulate inhibition or regulate our filters. So what can we do about this? Is there some sort of like framework we can talk about to try and get our arms around this and figure out some way to make this a little bit better for everybody? I'm going to map out a general framework that we can use here that's applicable in many different situations. This came up in a conversation with a friend this past weekend. So you know those types of conversations that you have with a partner or spouse, 
maybe you have some kids involved too in this that they're not part of the conversation but maybe you have kids with your partner or spouse and there are certain topics where you maybe don't see eye to eye and when you try and have these conversations one or both people get really really emotionally involved and upset and it gets to a point where you just really can't talk about it but there are things that are really important to you maybe it's something about politics maybe it's kids maybe it's something about religion it could be any number of things but it's some sort of really sensitive topic and one person comes in and somehow they're very intense and they might come across as combative but they don't mean to be they're just really passionate and the other person has more of this reserved very calm way of interacting and when the other person starts getting really intense they feel attacked or judged and then the person who tends to have a more lower key type of response feels hurt and so they respond to express that and then the more intense person is really sensitive to that and then they feel attacked and then they actually do start getting into attack mode and the conversation just kind of blows up and it's just not pleasant and so we were talking about this is you know a common struggle that, that we've both faced before and um trying to talk about how can we do better at this what's what's a good way to move forward and there's this saying that has come up numerous times throughout history in various forms by various very smart people we don't rise to the level of our expectations we fall to the level of our conditioning now when we have these types of patterns in place of interrupting or of having certain types of responses and certain types of conversations. These are based on our conditioning that's happened over the course of our life. So these types of patterns don't simply change overnight or in an instant, at least they do very rarely. So most of us don't need the strategies and hacks as much as we need what's a super simple repeatable framework that I can use over and over again very easily and that's simple something repeatable adaptable flexible to many situations that is the type of strategy that we're going to walk through today something you can take with you for the long haul what I've found in my own relationship that seems to have worked from what can I do and taking ownership of my piece in that uh, I tend to be the very intense person. Surprise, you know, ADHD. I have a lot of intensity, a lot of passion I bring to certain conversations. And I can be very assertive and very loud and expressive because of my upbringing. Sometimes I can use language that can sound accusatory, even though I'm not meaning to sound that way or use that type of language, but it's just my model that I had, what I was given. And so sometimes things come across differently than I intend. And I don't use the best words or energy in the way that I'm expressing my thoughts that I want to discuss with my partner. So how can I gain a better awareness of this before it gets to the point where I've actually hurt someone that I love? I don't want that to happen. 
So we talked about different strategies that we can do, and this is the high level, what's the best thing that I found that works for me. At first, at the beginning, we don't really have the awareness to stop ourselves in, until we've already hurt the person we love. So what I had to work at at first was developing that awareness, like, ah, oh, crap, it happened again. I need to take a time to pause, breathe, recognize that. So I just, that's all. That's the first goal, just awareness that I did this. Yes, my partner may have done something to instigate it. That doesn't matter. My response right now is what I'm, I'm concerned about because I don't have control over their response. But I did respond in a very unhelpful way that caused pain to my partner. And, and that's not okay. So I need to gain awareness of that, take time at some point to later to help myself take ownership of that and own that. And that's just step one. There's no other actions required, but cultivate that to the point where it is a habitual awareness. You can't not be aware of it. And what you'll start noticing is that you can't just do the awareness piece. Then we feel this need to go and own that and apologize and say, you know, that, that, that I screwed up. This is what I did. And eventually we'll get there. If you want to do that, that's fine too. But the first goal is just the awareness. If you do that, that's a win. Second step, once you have the awareness, it'll naturally develop some sort of pattern interrupt. You'll start catching yourself before you get to that point. Uh, it, and so pay attention to that. What is that pattern interrupt that works well for you? That keeps you from hurting your spouse or partner in that conversation or interrupting in this case that we're talking about for ADHD. So we just notice what that is. What is it that's working? Okay, let's try to do more of that. And so we, now we have an external awareness and an external pattern interrupt. Now, once we have the external awareness and pattern interrupt, and maybe on the side, we're also starting to take more ownership of our piece in that conversation and where we are interrupting or hurting the other person and then apologizing for it. Maybe, maybe we can do that later. We can work that in. Um, the third step that we want to, once we build that habitual external pattern in interrupt that we can stop ourselves before we actively hurt that person or at least sometime earlier in the conversation where it's not getting to an, as much of an escalated point, we kind of step back and start saying, okay, well, I can notice my external environment and what's going on, but in those moments now, let's focus on gaining an internal awareness. What am I feeling in my body when we get to these scenarios? What's happening? Where do I feel it? You know, what? where is the feel, most intense feeling in my body? Where am I feeling it? Okay, what does that feel like? What sort of emotions are rising up out of this, this feeling that I have? Um, and really just take time to explore and be present with that. You may not be able to be present with it in the moment, but start working on developing that awareness in the moment. And maybe sometimes afterwards, set aside some time to journal close to the time that it happened and start asking yourself those questions. When I remember that memory, where do I feel the most intense, the most intensity in my body? You know, how would I describe that feeling? How does it feel? Okay, what sort of emotions are welling up? 
when I'm exploring how that feels um, and just see what comes up, what sort of memories and just to kind of explore that a bit to gain a better awareness. Oh, wait, when they say this or they did this, this is how I felt. It helped me, my body feel and that gave rise to these other emotions and I responded for whatever reason, you know, for these feelings or maybe because of for whatever reason, this random memory from my childhood comes up where I didn't feel safe or I felt attacked and who knows why it come up, what might come up there. Um, and if you need to get there, a therapist to help, help you walk through this piece, um, cause they're super helpful for that. Um, so you're, now you're developing that awareness, internal awareness. So when you're in those conversations, because you're spending time outside the conversation and inside the conversation, just working on developing being that awareness or noticing your feelings and what's coming up. When you're in your conversations, you'll start noticing that you'll catch yourself before you respond uh, with that emotion or that to that feeling like, oh, wait, there's that feeling. Take time in the conversation to call it out and just say, you know what? I'm starting to feel this way right now. I'm just getting these intense feelings. I don't know what to do with them. But I know if we continue this conversation right now, I'm going to end up hurting you. And I don't want to do that. Or I'm going to end up interrupting you and I don't want to do that. You know, And I just need to say, take some time, some time away and come back to this later. Can we come back and finish this conversation at another time? So you get that awareness and you get your pattern and interrupt. Start that pattern interrupt and get that in place once you have your awareness there. And, and definitely make make it internal and external leverage that internal awareness to get the external pattern interrupt and prevent the unintended harm or unintended uh, interruption from occurring and eventually over time as we develop that pattern interrupt we can start looking at replacement behaviors so when i start noticing these intense feelings rather than shutting down the conversation and maybe I can have an internal shift and say, ah, that feeling I have is arising because of this conditioned response, which actually has nothing to do with the conversation we're having. But I'm responding to that. So what's really going on? What is it that my partner is trying to say? What is this person trying to say? And, and then shift it to a place of curiosity and exploration. So rather than having the interruption result in a shutdown, have it result in better engagement. So if you need to interrupt, say, you know, excuse me, I just noticed that my attention was starting to wander and I missed something that you just said. Would you mind going back and saying that again? And then, you know, pick it back up from there. Or you can say, you know what? I'm really more curious about what you just said there about whatever, you know, can you tell me more about that? Uh, and then just kind of take a deep breath and whatever thoughts we may have that we may want to share, you know, maybe you have a notebook, you can jot down a little note and say, Oh, excuse me. You know, you had just said something that it made me think of something else. I just need to make a real quick note because I want to make a comment on that later. Can you just hit the pause button really quick? Cause I want to hear what you have to say in this thought, it's just overwhelming right now. I need just to get it out. So then just quick, you know, write it down like no more than a couple seconds. And then I say, oh, I think I, I got it. 
All right. Um, all right. Now, what were you saying again? I just interrupted you a second ago. My thought is all wrapped up in getting this thought out and I want to hear what you have to say. And then go back, figure out some sort of pattern or strategy. I'm just throwing a bunch of different suggestions out here that people have used, but find a better response. Now, is this going to eliminate your, your um, inappropriate interruptions? Is this going to eliminate the painful emotional parts of the conversation where you end up hurting the other person? It's probably not going to make it all go away. It, it is a much longer process, it, but it will have a better longer term outcome. There's not like a quick strategy or hack that I'm throwing out here. This is, you know, find your external pattern interrupt, or sorry, your external awareness of what's going on. Hone in on that, make sure that you know what's happening, when it's happening, and then try and be aware of before it happens. And then, you know, make your external pattern and interrupt, whatever that looks like. Take a step back, get your internal awareness, what's going on inside me when this happens. And, you know, get your awareness a couple steps back and that place a couple steps back, get your internal pattern interrupt. And then once you have those things in place, get your replacement behaviors introduced. And that is a better long-term, more effective long-term process. And if you can find little strategies and hacks to help you get that awareness, to get those pattern interrupts, use them. I mean, those are great. If they work for you, that's awesome. But customize this to what works for you. That's going to be the most powerful strategy. And in this process, remember, have compassion for yourself. Be patient with yourself. You are going to fail at this repeatedly. And that is when you are going to learn. Those moments where we fail are the moments that we have the opportunity to transform ourselves and become something new, something different. To be the person that we want to be, to show up the way we want to show up. Those failures are your opportunities to make those changes. So do your best to be compassionate with yourself. Be patient with yourself. Understand what's happening there. Develop that awareness and that understanding. I cannot emphasize how helpful therapists and coaches have been to me in going through this process over and over and over again in so many different areas of my life. So I highly recommend finding a seasoned professional to work with as you're exploring any process that you apply this framework. As you start working on developing that awareness and looking for effective pattern interrupts, they are unbelievably valuable in helping us to see things that we're blind to about ourselves and make these strategies and frameworks so much more effective. This framework I shared with you is essentially the most powerful framework you can use to break any type of unwanted conditioning, bad habits, whatever you want to call them. But those things that you can't seem to stop yourself from doing that you need to stop and change. 
And the great thing about it is that it's so adaptable and flexible, you can use all sorts of other strategies for building that new framework, for building that new behavior or that the person that you want to be. So like when you're talking about habits, there's different strategies for, um, I can't remember what they call it right now, but when you pair your new habit that you want to develop with an existing one, like brushing your teeth or something. So you, every time you brush your teeth, you do your behavior, whatever. So this framework is usable in, in those scenarios as well. So it's super powerful. And it's, for me, it all comes down to that one saying, we don't rise to the level of our expectations, but we fall to the level of our conditioning. That means if we want to create real, lasting, and effective change in our lives, we have to focus on changing our conditioning, the things that we're blind to, the things that we're not currently aware of that are holding us back from showing up the way we want to show up. So if we can gain awareness of our conditioning, those things that we do that we are completely blind to, they're so automated we have zero awareness around them, and develop that awareness and understanding, interrupt it. And it's only when you interrupt it that you're going to have the opportunity to choose differently, to change, to become the you that you want to be in that moment. So this episode was very unpolished. I wanted to get some type of episode that was valuable out to my audience this week since I missed last week especially. I wanted to do more to make this cleaner, more concise, and better for you guys. At this point I've passed more than half an hour and I know that's really tough for my fellow ADHD folks. So if you stuck with me this long, know that I very much appreciate you. And I appreciate you so much that I have a special announcement for you. If you enjoy the way that I've been sharing about ADHD here on the podcast or on Twitter, I just wanted to let you know that I have a course in the works that I'm developing to help people learn more about their ADHD and develop some uh, high-level long-term strategies around it, like I shared in today's podcast. Now, because I'm just getting started and I have limited resources, only the first 20, maybe 30 people uh, will be able to enroll. Beyond that, I just simply don't have the ability to handle that much volume right now. So if you'd like to be one of the first people to take a course with ThinkFink, uh, check out the newsletter. You'll find out before everybody else when we're going to open that up for enrollment. We're going to let the people who are newsletter subscribers get first dibs uh, on a place in that class if they'd like to join. Now you can find that link to subscribe to my newsletter any place you can find me on social media or at ADHDBrainsRadio.com. If you saw that I made an announcement on social media yesterday that I'd have a special announcement on today's podcast. That was it. And that's all for this week, folks. So tune in next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of ADHD Brains Radio. If you're enjoying the content, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And if you'd like to financially support us, hop on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash ADHD Brains Radio. And now, and now, what you've what really, you've really all, been all been waiting, waiting for, for the, the disclaimer. disclaimer.
ADHD Brains Radio podcast podcast is owned by Think Fink Media LLC. Think Fink. This podcast should be used for general information purposes only. Think Fink makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information, comments, views, opinions, and recommendations featured in this podcast. Though we will attempt to be as honest and accurate as possible, Think Fink has no obligation whatsoever to provide any updates, amendments, or changes, or corrections to any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions set forth in this podcast. Jeremy Fink is not a doctor or a mental health professional, and this podcast should not be construed as professional advice. Everyone's situation is unique, and you should not rely on any information presented in this podcast until you consult your own doctor or healthcare professional. Unless otherwise stated, any references made in the podcast to any specific information, product, process, services, individual, or organization should not be interpreted as an endorsement, approval, or recommendation, or certification of the same. The podcast frequently references third-party articles and points of view. The views expressed in these articles are those of the article's authors, and their mentions on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of those authors or any entity that they may represent or endorse. Similarly, the views expressed by guests of the podcast are their own, and any appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of any such guest or any entity they may represent. ThinkFink assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of any third-party materials or information referenced in this podcast. ThinkFink expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of anyone's use of, reference to, or reliance on this podcast for the information presented in this podcast.